Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is one week from Christmas Eve, eight days from Christmas, nine days until the cards take on the cats in the Battle of the Bluegrass. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Dan Snard in Columbus, Ohio. Dan, are the Snards all ready to go for Christmas yet? Yeah, the kids have shifted into hyperactive mode where we've pretty much lost control. We're running out of bribes. Um, it is my my oldest daughter Lila's birthday next Monday, so we're we do have her birthday party on Saturday. So when the Wisconsin game time came out, I was relieved that it was noon because the uh, the birthday party is at four o'clock. It's just a small gathering, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, when you got two kids over the age of at least three, and they're like between I would say three and seven years old. Like that's like almost Christmas prime time. So uh, they're on they're on high alert, high edge right now. Are they still? Has the Snart House calmed down from the win over Wake Forest last weekend in football? Yeah, it was a big party. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, it's funny, like, especially with my older one, like I'm trying to gauge his interest on like what he likes to watch. Like I like, you know, I, I sit him down to watch the football and basketball games and, and so far at least he's gotten way more into watching cards, basketball than football. I'm sure football will, will eventually grow over time. But right now, um, he, he's a big basketball guy, at least when he's able to watch the games and he's not in bed. We have got Virginia. She's into the uh, we do the O C A R D S cheer, and she uh, she kind of smiles every time we do it. And she now instinctively looks at the TV because she knows that like usually Louisville's playing when we do it to try and get her excited. So she's <laughs> she's into that. She'll point at the TV after that, and she'll kind of do she'll mimic the noises, um, which is awesome. But she also we took her to the she had a, her doctor's checkup today. She is now officially still. 99.9th percentile in height and 99.6th percentile in weight. So still on track to be the first female left tackle in the history of Louisville football. We're, <laughs> we're trending that way. I mean, she is just a, a monster child. But, uh, it's it, yeah, she she can't name any players yet. We'll say that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got a Rebecca Lobo on your hands. I don't know what to say. Um, she's, she's, she's a monster baby. She's, she's uh, got, Yeah, she's got a future way ahead of the game i guess i should start the podcast by kind of recounting what happened to us on saturday since i, I didn't I, I still have not seen the end of the wake forest game when i had to stop watching the game it was 28 21 wake had just scored and gotten a two-point conversion and I, and I was sort of like here we fucking go like i went from that low thinking that was the worst thing in the world to getting a phone call that made life a little bit worse um i i, I know i posted the picture on and kind of the small details on social media but i haven't really told the the story so i get a and this is the most like just i wanted to shake this person after the fact but i get a call right after that wake forest two-point conversion from my wife's number she had just run up to the mall she had to return some last second christmas gifts real quick uh, because it was like the deadline to take them back um so she just grabbed virginia and was going to bounce up there take the stuff back and head right back. So I get a call from her phone and I'm thinking, you know, what, what does she forget? Or are they coming back or, or whatever? And there's a voice that I've never heard in my entire life on the other end who says, is this Michael? And I'm like, this is bad. Like, like you never get a yeah. call at where it's good news. There's no, there's no world. There's no possible situation where this is a good thing. Best case scenario is Mary dropped her phone and left it somewhere. And they just called me because I was the last call. But she said, is this Michael? And she says, your wife's been in a serious accident on the Waterson. And I mean, in that moment, you know, I'm like my heart drops, my life's over, you know, what, what's like, hey, how serious are we talking about? It's clearly so serious that she's not leading with the fact that they're okay, which is what a normal person would do in that situation. So like, I immediately panic. It takes her about 10. She's like, we're on the Waterson. Her car, your car is um, on the right side, right in front of the Middletown exit sign and all this stuff. And then she's, then she finally says she's okay. And I'm like, I mean, you, you've got to, you have to fucking lead with that. Like, like that's, the, that's the need to know information right off the bat. And she says nothing about Virginia. So I'm like, is the baby okay? And she's like, baby's okay too. And at that point I'm like, you know, I, I don't really care because that's all the only information I need. But in my mind, I just want to just reach through the phone and strangle this person. 
but we wind up, uh, you know, I, I go um, meet them. Mary's a little bit shaken up. Virginia's totally fine. Like, like this is, she's just, you know, waving at the fire truck when it walks <laughs> by, drives by. She's just you know, like the happiest baby in the world, just kind of staring around. Um, and the car's totaled. The other person, the person that was in the accident with them was actually very, very nice. He was such a sweet guy. A bunch of people stopped. It was one of those restore your faith in humanity type moments because a, a lot of good Samaritans stopped to help out. But yeah, car is just blown up to shit. Um, Mary's legs are still black and blue. She's been a little bit sore and a little bit shaken up, but they're both okay. Everything's okay. But it was, um, I, it wasn't until I think I text, I was texting you guys like three hours later telling you what happened. It wasn't until then I realized like, I have no idea if we even won this game. And I look at the final score and it's like 45, 20. Oh, cool. Like, like we, we ended up pouring up. So I missed the coolest part of the game to deal with some family stuff. But, um, long story short, Nice to know that Louisville ended the season on a high note, I guess. It was a, it was a good way to go out, and um, I think we're all excited to turn the page from a very, very bizarre and not overly successful 2020 football season. Um, if, if I asked you, how are you going to remember the 2020 Louisville football season? What's the first thing that's going to stick out in your mind, or are you just going to try to repress this forever? Well, first off, I'm, I'm glad that, that Mary and Virginia are okay, obviously. I mean, we were... We were definitely, you know, shaken up when you told us that. So we're glad they're doing okay. And and I'll get to that question in a second. But when you told me about the phone call that you got, all I could think about um, was the episode where Michael hit uh, in the office where Michael hit Meredith with his car. And he came in and he led with, I, I forget the exact saying, but um like he basically implied that that she was gone when like she really wasn't, um, and he the, just the way he worded it was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, it was the same thing. Like I appreciate this woman stopping. I appreciate her making the phone call because Mary was talking to the the cops and I think the paramedics had stopped by. But my God, like 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 like, like just give me the need the like the, the most important piece of information. Start off with that because you know I'm going to be terrified. Yeah, um, but. Glad everyone's okay. But back to your question. Um, yeah, what am I going to remember about this season? I mean, pro- probably, I mean, the only thing that's going to stand out is the, the conversation. Because, I mean, the season pretty much to me was was forgettable. Um, it was just a weird season overall. I am glad that, that we ended it on a high note. I'm glad it, it looked like the players, you know, weren't affected by what was going on off the field the past couple of weeks and the recruiting class, you know, save for T wills kid, um, which, you know, I've heard rumors, maybe academic issues or whatever, but everyone is, you know, everyone that was on board um, signed their letter of intent. It looks like. So I know we have, you know, transfers. A lot of those are already like seniors that are transferring. So I'm not, too worried about that um we have some uh people that declared for the nfl and that's fine i mean that's gonna happen i'm I'm, that really doesn't bother me but it is glad to see that it seems like the program has stayed intact with all the rumors that have gone the past two weeks so now i'm just i'm ready as a fan to to put all that behind us and and get behind this team 100 percent over the offseason yeah, and I'm going to talk with um, – we'll do the podcast with Keith. I'm going to tape it tonight, and it'll be out uh, on Friday. And he'll nice. talk – yeah, he'll talk more about the National Signing Day stuff since he is the, the National Signing Day guru. And if you haven't read his profiles of all 21 kids that signed with Louisville on Wednesday, uh, head over to Card Chronicle. It's all in one title. They're, they're phenomenal, by yeah. the way. Like the fact that he does that is awesome for for people that read the site. And that was the big thing, too, that I think you and I talked about. It, and I know Keith talked about it when the Satterfield stuff was kind of the shit at the fan a couple of weeks ago or whenever that was. I'm, time means nothing to me anymore. But one of the big concerns was how this was going to affect what looked to be a really good recruiting class. And the answer is not at all. Uh, you know, we signed all 21 of those kids. We have two top 160 players. I mean, we have a top 130 running back who chose us over Florida. That's a, a pretty remarkable thing in any climate but especially given the last couple of weeks so uh, that was awesome to see it is looking back at the season I mean I I think I I don't want to make fun of this fact but objectively speaking 
it's fucking hilarious that we hosted college game day this year. Is, is it not? I mean, we, 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 we I, I like forgot about it. Like now that you brought it up, that's wild. I mean, yeah. Like I, I think I think we're all going to sort of forget about it. And I did love too. Kelly Dickey pointed out that this is I think the it's like the ninth or tenth time in the history of Louisville football that we've had an undefeated non-conference one and zero with the win over Western Kentucky. So there's I mean, it's just a it's such a strange deal. And I did sort of wonder. Um, with I think five ACC teams now have come out and said, even if we get invited to a bowl game, we're not going to play it. We're going to sit out. And so I was like, you know, if Louisville wants to play in a bowl game, I would assume that that opportunity is going to be out there. But we found out yesterday that uh, during Scott Satterfield's signing day press conference that they're not going to play in a bowl game. Um, Vince Tyre had told him that the you know, no bowl game was interested. Basically, the ACC uh, said that there were none of the tie-ins looking at Louisville, which I this is when you lie, Scott. Like, like this is this is when you stretch the truth a little bit. Not when you're trying to meet with somebody in South Carolina behind uh, the scenes, behind your AD's back. This is when you say we're opting out of the, the postseason. Like, even if we get invited, we're not going to play. Virginia Tech's been to a bowl game 27 straight years. They're five and six. They did the opt out thing yesterday. Just say that we're not playing in a bowl game. You don't have to be like nobody wants us. So we're turning the page. I was like, Jesus, Scott, you need. I know he's got a, a big-time agent. He needs somebody who's strictly in charge of helping him control the narrative or helping him get a public message out because that was the way to do it. But regardless, I, I'm I'm not going to shed a tear over Louisville not playing in a bowl game. It would have been – I mean, it, it's something to do during the holiday season. It would have been fun to, to watch and talk about. But with like you alluded to, so many guys already saying that they're moving on. And I think so many guys have already gone back home for the holidays. It'd be impossible to get everybody back, have them quarantined and get back into that, uh, you know, sort of bubble lifestyle and get ready for a bowl game. So to be honest, like I'm I'm totally fine with this being the way that we leave 2020. Yeah, I I completely agree. There was like part of me that like was like, man, are we thinking about playing in a bowl game? Because I really did not want to. Um, And I, I, I wonder if they like had that conversation like with the players like hey like would you guys want to play in a bowl game and of course like I'm sure like the players you know just being players and want to like respect the coaches and stuff being like oh yeah we definitely want to play but it had to be in the back of like everyone's mind in the program like all right let's just you know it's been a long year let's just get home take a break and I, I think this is best for everybody. And I think that's what you're seeing with the ACC because I mean we were the first conference to start playing. So, like, it's been a long four-month period just to get to this point. The fact that we've that Louisville got 11 games in is sort of a minor miracle. But I think that's why you're going to see, like, teams in the Pac-12, if you're 3-2 and two in, in Pac-12 play, yeah, you're going to accept a bowl invite. Like, like you just you feel like your season just got started. Um, you know, Big Ten, same way. Some of these smaller conferences, they always want to play. But ACC teams, I think it's understandable where we've had so many cancellations. They've given up so much over the last four months, haven't seen family, haven't seen friends, haven't done you know any part of the college experience. I can see why after that grueling 16-week period, you kind of be like, all right, we're good. Like, Go ahead and give me like some time off. Give me uh, two months to just kind of chill, and then we'll get back after it with spring practice. Um, so it, shouldn't, it should not come as much of a shock that these middle-tier ACC teams are saying thanks but no thanks right now. Um, on the basketball side of things, we last week we didn't have a whole lot to talk about because the team wasn't playing. We now know that, that Louisville's going to play Wisconsin on Saturday at noon. Really happy that they were able to get this done. They were supposed to play NC State last night. That game uh, got postponed. But Louisville, um, I don't think you and I have discussed it. We found out via Chris Mack's press conference on Monday, Sam Williamson's back. Like he, according to Mack, is, is good to go. He would have played in that UNC Greensboro game a couple Fridays ago had it been played. So we're going to see a Louisville team that's, relatively speaking, at full strength on Saturday. I mean, how excited are you just to get back to watching the cards? Like this, this team that we were so excited about after the Western Kentucky game, how excited are you just to see them again? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm, I'm just dying to watch them. Like, I've, I've almost forgot about – I mean, like, obviously we watched the first four games, but it's been so long you almost forgot what they look like. Um, so, yeah, I'm anxious to get out there and, and watch them Saturday. I mean, we're going to have our work cut out for us. I watched the Wisconsin Loyola Chicago game a couple, you know, two nights ago. Um, and I, 
I, I do think there's going to be places where we have advantages, but uh, I mean, this is a solid team we're going up against. I, I, I'm guessing we're going to be underdogs. I'm not sure if the spread has come out or not, but um, we're, we're definitely going to have to play, I'd say, our best game of the season um, to win this. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird watching all these other college. Like, I, I feel like Kentucky's have has had like three or four games since we've had our last one, um, which have been a joy to watch from our end. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm really anxious to get back out there. But it, I'm sure it's been nice. Um, you know, I'm sure the players want to play, but I'm sure for the coaches, it's been nice to heal some of these guys up. Probably been nice to you know get some more practice in with some of these younger guys and and watch them develop. How far into the first half do you think we get our first collective Louisville Twitter explosion of hate in the direction of Brad Davison? Oh my! I mean, it'll be in the first five minutes. I was I was getting pissed off watching him against Loyola Chicago. I was like, and he was like, he was getting in their guards' heads. Um, you know, you could just see by their their body language that uh, he was pissing them off already. So it's going to be important that that our guys keep our cool. Um, I, th- I think Chris Mackle, you know, explain. I'm sure you know the scouting report is out on him and and kind of how he likes to play, but. My, if here's the deal if you're gonna foul this guy if he's going to the basket foul him hard I mean make sure that you know yeah. that you're there don't no no ticky tack shit so um but yeah I uh a win versus him in particular would just make it that much sweeter the thing about Davidson it's not just the like the constant flopping and like the wojo floor slapping like he's a dirty player like he's a dick puncher he trips yeah. like he's just if if he had the profile of Grayson Allen, he would be every bit as hated as Grayson Allen was. And I think Louisville fans are probably going to experience that firsthand uh, on Saturday. Are right, are you ready to answer? Because we haven't had a game to talk about and, and football's done, we're gonna be this is going to be a Twitter question heavy episode. Are you ready to answer some questions from Twitter? Yeah, let's do it. All right, before we do, reminding you guys, we are sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Uh, it's too late to get Christmas gifts, but maybe you're meeting with some family members or some friends after the holidays. Uh, hit up homefieldapparel.com. Make that purchase. It's going to be a great gift. Or if you just want some new gear for yourself heading into 2021, if you want to forget this past year ever happened, new wardrobe, new you, Homefield Apparel has you covered. They've got retro uh, Louisville logos. They've got a Scott Satterfield shirt. They've got uh, the softest hoodies you can find anywhere. And they're gonna, you're going to save 20% if you use the promo code Card Chronicle, all one word at checkout. Again, 20% off your first purchase from homefieldapparel.com. If you want to keep up with their uh, – it's not just Louisville stuff. They've got colleges from all across the country. They don't have Kentucky, which is great. Um, they do have small colleges if you want to impress somebody with a cool, weird little logo from, like, I don't know, the UC uh, Irvine Anteaters. They've got you covered there. Uh, hit them up. Homefieldapparel.com is the website. They're Homefield Apparel on Instagram and Homefield Apparel without an E on apparel on Twitter. Follow all their stuff there. Again, big thanks to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring us here on the Card Chronicle podcast. All right, uh, first question up is from Josh Phelps, fastest man in Louisville. He says, should Satterfield ditch the visor going forward in an attempt to further win back the fan base? I do kind of like that idea. Like, like, he apologized, he wrote the letter, he's, you know, remorseful, but this is how much I'm going to show you. It's going to be like a Ted Lasso deal where they burn all the relics from the past. He, like, throws the visor into a barrel of fire at midfield and comes out with, like, a, I don't know, fitted backwards hat or some sort of like Louisville top hat, just a new look to, to try and put all this nonsense behind him. I think that's a good idea. You've been hyping up Ted Lasso. I really need to dive in. I've, I've oh, heard good things about it. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I love the question. I love where his thought process is, but I don't know. I, I like if we were a successful program and made it to like a, a big time bowler, a college playoff. I, I like that coach that has a little bit of a trademark. And I think that the visor is Scott Satterfield. That's just who he is. So um, like if we ever got really good and we got the fans to start wearing visors, I think it would be like an absolutely dynamite deal. So uh, I don't want to get rid of it. I, I'm a big fan of it. I feel like having a trademark attribute though, there's additional pressure there because you don't want it to become a negative thing. Like I'll never look at a, Waffle House menu or like any sort of laminated menu without thinking about Steve Craigthorpe again, just holding that stupid shit, staring at it, examining the six plays that he had on it. Like that's like it wound up being a negative thing for him. So 
if, if this thing goes south, if we start playing poorly, if we have another bad season next year, or if, you know, Satterfield starts talking to other programs behind our back again, I'm never going to be able to look at visors the same way. And that's, that's dangerous. Um, Dylan Miles says, what are your thoughts on the football marketing team making personal logos for each recruit that we signed yesterday? I thought it was awesome. I, the marketing team has been, I mean, fucking fantastic for the last. They're unbelievable. They're literally unbelievable. unbelievable. Like they really, they like how far they've come since we've been fans is, is truly astounding. Like if, if I had a kid who was, you know, being recruited and I, and I saw some of the stuff they put out, like, how could you not want to attend it? I mean, some of these videos and, and stuff they do are just absolutely insane. Yeah, the signing day E video was awesome. The video department has been so good, uh, whether it's football, basketball. The the highlight videos that they post after wins, those card tape stuff, uh, has been awesome. Yeah, you, I mean, we went from not having a basketball Twitter account a couple of years ago to uh, like having, I think, one of the mar- best marketing departments in the entire country. They've been uh, really, really good. Uh, Footiest Maximus said, did Lamar Jackson, a.k.a. Pooper Man, really have the shits? Um, do you think that he, like, like let's, because like, Lamar denied it after the game. Said Lamar really- would not, he, Lamar would not lie about this. I, I really think well, he sure. would 100% come out and be like, yeah, man, I was, you know, taking a shit or whatever. I mean, he, he just, 100%, I, I think he had cramps. But, I mean, my God, was, was Twitter going crazy when that happened? It was, I mean, that was one of the more wild games I've ever watched. The only, the, yeah, the, the game itself was unbelievable. But the thing that really, when I was watching it live, that sold the the fact that I thought he was having to take a shit, it wasn't just like the the peaking turtle trot that he had going to the locker room. It was the frantically waving out the person that was in the way of the door. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that man's got to take a shit right there. Uh, but I, I'm with you. Like, I, I think it was cramps. Because Lamar, he's just kind of that kind of dude. He's a very straightforward guy. And I, I did love the way that he phrased it. Um, I didn't pull a Paul Pierce. I thought that was really funny. And like the whole thing, I mean, the whole thing was just hilarious. Um, follow-up question here from Austin who says, uh, you know, do you think he, he dropped the deuce? And did you have an emergency cramp story yourself? Uh, you and I talked about this that, that <laughs> night. I actually did. This, this actually happened to me in a, a freshman baseball game against Doss where <laughs> – like, it happened out of nowhere. Like, the, the Trinity salad bar would just sneak up on you. When you just cover, you know, bacon bits and, and chicken and and, <laughs> and, you're, you're, and pour Mountain Dew on top of it, you're destined to have some bubble guts at some point. And, like, this was I, – I just remember it came out of nowhere. I was in the outfield. Uh, it we, was literally mid-batter. Like, it wasn't, like, beginning of an inning where, like, you know, you were warming up and then you jogged. Like – it was mid batter. You just start. It was not mid batter. Jogging it. it was, <laughs> oh, was it not? I, it was not. I. That's how I remembered it. I'll tell you exactly. It was mid inning. I'll tell you exactly what happens. So I'm in the outfield, and we're a big. And I remember out of nowhere, I'm like, I've like it. It, it hit. Like the, the the gut started bubbling. I started feeling like this is the worst thing in the world. And I'm like, all right, I'll be fine. I can focus on this. I can push it back in as long as I don't have to do anything here. And literally two seconds later, the ball's hit right at me. Like, like ball hit right at me. I do kind of like the Lamar jog. I half at like, this should have been a routine catch. And, like, I, I half-ass it after this. It turns out to be a double um, because I'm, I'm, like, just making zero effort. I throw the ball in and, like, right away, I, like, signal to the duck out and, like, start trotting in. I do it. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, it, I, I don't even know what to compare it to. And I'm like, You didn't I, say I, a word, like, because I, I remember you went all the way, like, past our dugout into the parking lot to our gym i feel like i had to go and to we're the like game. what the hell we didn't know what was going on we were like is he hurt or whatnot and then i literally don't think we even spoke about it till like the next day at the lunch table <laughs> they sent the kid who was like we had like a trainer or a kid who didn't make the team and he was like kind of the equipment manager they sent him to look after me so he was just like standing <laughs> outside of the stall while i'm taking like the noisiest loudest groups and shit of all time <laughs> The worst part was like I don't know who it was, but like like, like these like um, these adults, I, I, they weren't teachers. I don't know who they were. They're like, hey, we gotta lock up the gym here in a second. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> the whole thing was the worst experience of my entire life. It was so bad. It was so terrible. Um, I, I mean, if it had been like a big game and a close game, I would have felt even worse. But yeah, that that was like I, I I legit remember like when the ball hit the bat and it was headed in my direction. I was like. You can either shit your pants and catch it, or you can focus on not shitting your 
advance and like let this be a double and that's what i did i was like sorry our buddy jim was pitching was like sorry because jim was like looking at me like what the fuck like 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 that should have been an easy like play and i was like i'm sorry i, I, I can't do I, I don't know what you want me to do I'm, I'm not shitting my pants for a freshman baseball win over dos sorry <laughs> oh my god yeah i mean I don't know how we haven't really even talked about that more. That was a hell of a story, but I I, I remember that <laughs> just the slow jog in and just I was like, where the hell is he going? <laughs> yeah, literally, I went like straight past the dugout, like right. <laughs> oh, oh what a what a moment. Yeah, it was like yeah, I, I don't even know what to like. Just oh, God, yeah, I don't know. Uh, great opinion says, at what point does Jeff Waltz get a statue built? Um, uh, he's got to win a national title, does he not? Yeah, he needs to win a national title, but I mean, what he's done with the program is absolutely outrageous. I mean, it's it seems like every March, you know, obviously, um, it, especially this year, it, it's it's been great to follow. I mean, I'd say them and and Stanford are the top two teams um, so far this year, but it seems like Bold every take. March. Bold take that saying the number one and number two teams in the country are probably yeah. Sorry, the sorry, two teams yeah. I know. I, I really like every time it's, it's, it's a little different when you're not in Louisville. Like when you're in Louisville, you hear a lot more buzz about the women's team when you're not, you obviously, you know, I'm here in Columbus, Ohio, but I I do enjoy watching them. Um, But I'm, uh, I'm already excited for March because it seems like they really do have a live shot this year. I think they're going to win it all. Uh, I mean, I, I saw that the, the DePaul team that they beat by, you know, 6,000 or whatever it was a few weeks ago, just beat Kentucky, who's you know number nine in the country and has what a lot of people think is the best player uh, in college basketball in Ryan Howard. So, I mean, that speaks volumes right there. So, I mean, this may be his best shot to get it done. But, yeah, I, I think Walsh being here, I mean, he's basically the, the, women, the women's basketball Dan McDonald. Took over a program that I don't think had ever been to a Sweet 16. Uh, has taken them to, what, three Final Fours, two national title games, or one, at least one national title game. Um and I mean, he really is the program. Like he's every bit as important to women's basketball at Louisville as Denny Crum was to the men's side, uh, if not more so. So if he gets that national title done and winds up retiring here and staying here forever, which I, I think at this point he seems a lot more likely than not. Yeah, I'm good with having a Jeff Walt statue. Um, was there was there like a like a more high note moment than the Sunday night before the national title game in 2013 when the Louisville women won their Final Four game and everyone was in Atlanta celebrating. It was like, my God, like, here we go. Like it was, I mean, just, I, I, I couldn't think of like a more high note as a U of L fan than that night. Yeah, it was, that was the whole weekend was just perfect. Um, and if they'd won the national title that Tuesday, it would have been like the most absolute, just perfect five day stretch that we've ever seen, but they'll get there. And, and yeah. I'm shocked at all. If it's this year, um, Jeff Lewis says, who is U of L focusing on in the transfer portal? Look, I think it's the worst kept secret in Louisville right now that Louisville uh, is going after the uh, Mississippi State quarterback Garrett Trader. If that name sounds familiar, it's probably because you know him as the dude who got punched in the face by his teammate and had to miss the Music City Bowl a couple of years ago when we played them. Uh, I guess it was last year when we played them. That's maybe what he's best known for. Um, A lot of people seem to think that he could come in and compete with Malik for the starting job or at least be a, a serviceable backup. But that's the name out there that everybody's talking about. So um, is that directly related to T-Web transferring? I don't know. Is it directly related to Louisville uh, not having a big-time quarterback in this class? Who knows? But Satterfield said yesterday during his press conference he wants four scholarship quarterbacks in the room, and I think that one way or another they're going to get there by the time that we're uh, we're in spring ball there. Uh, Doctor of Dunk says, what do you think the work environment is like at Webster, Webster, and Cohen? Love the question. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um I, i'm i'm guessing it's uh probably not that laid back by the look of junior's uh junior's father but um yeah would love would, would love to step inside someday when i did when i worked at the law firm back like 10 years ago they had this we had this back room with um all the bankers boxes for all the cases that we had and there were actually two boxes that were close to each other that were the webster case and the cohen case and I would always put them right next to each other, even though it made no sense. And nobody, I mean, I, I don't think any of the attorneys knew about Cool Runnings or cared about it as much as I did. But it always made me laugh when I went back there. And when you're 23 and you're getting paid 
Uh, I mean, zero money basically to be a uh, clerk and a courier. You got to do what you got to do to keep yourself entertained. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a follow up question. Rank rank the four bobsledders of your favorite to least favorite. Um, okay, unpopular opinion probably. Junior was my favorite. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll follow up. Um, probably Doris second. You and then Sanka third. I I feel like you're a big Sanka guy, are you not? Uh, no, I was going to say uh, Junior 1, Yul Brenner 2, probably Sanka 3, and Doris 4. Doris, he was just a tryhard. Like, he really was. But uh, he was. I don't know. I, I, like, Junior was awesome. Like, sacrificed a lot, obviously. Um, and then, obviously, Yul Brenner and the bar scene fight, uh, or the bite, or the, the fight at the bar was, was that, that, that moves him up on my list automatically. I mean, I love all four. I, I, I'm kind of mad at you that you made me. Do I know. That. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to dog on Doris. I mean, he obviously, you know, um, was a big part of it. I, I do love all four. It's like the one year that I, I turned the, you know, we do the um, Card Chronicle Person of the Year at the end of every year, and one year I turned it into a tournament, and it was like the worst thing ever because you're picking between like Gorgie versus Russ Smith, and everybody was like, I hate this. Like, I don't want to. And I was like, I felt bad about it immediately. That's what you just did to me. Yeah, well, sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but um, I had the public had to know what your rankings were. Uh, Cam Kelly says, if we all watched the Will Wade and Sean Miller tapes on HBO's The Scheme, why is nothing happening to LSU and Arizona? Um, the obvious answer, or the safe answer, the easy answer, is that the NCAA moves at a glacial pace. I'll be shocked if nothing happens to uh, you mean Will Wade or Sean Miller? I think Sean Miller actually is going to keep his job at Arizona just because they are their feet are too deeply planted in the sand. I think Will Wade's probably going to get fired at LSU because uh, you know he's not the name that Sean Miller is. He hasn't had the success that Sean Miller has, and I mean he's on uh, he's on tape talking about openly talking about paying not just paying a player but referencing the fact that they've paid players before and done so for less value. Uh, I mean. It's, I think LSU is worried about lawsuits. They're worried about um, you know not following the, the process, the the order of operations here. So I think they're waiting for the NCAA to step in. But I think when all said and done, Will Wade will not have a job at LSU. Sean Miller probably will have a job at Arizona, but they're going to get hammered by the NCAA. All these schools are going to get hammered by the NCAA. It's just taking way, way too long. But that's what the NCAA does. Um, Jamie, uh, Jamie McStute says... Favorite Christmas movie and song, and are you ever coming back to radio? I think, you know, we do this pretty much every week now where we ask for questions from for the podcast, and I think that almost every week there's at least one, usually more questions asking about me coming back to the radio. I don't have, like, this isn't my choice. <laughs> like, like I, I can't just say I'm coming back. Like, like it's not like I'm doing a podcast. Somebody has to offer me a job for, for this to happen. But I'm love, not fucking leaving. <laughs> I do love that people are like, hey, man, when are you ever going to do, whenever you ever going to make this happen again? I'm like, I, I don't know. Uh, not, not really for me to say. Favorite Christmas movie and song. I, this is going to be, I'm, I'm an old soul. I love um, It's a Wonderful Life. Mary and I watch it every single year. It's a sweet movie. Um, it's it's my favorite, no question about it. And my favorite song is uh, the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. Uh, my dad loves Nat King Cole, and I really like that song. I feel like it captures all the cool things about Christmas, especially when you're growing up. So those are my two favorite. What's your favorite Christmas movie and your favorite Christmas song, Dan? Christmas movie is tough. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a cop comedy guy. I mean. Um, I'm a big Home Alone guy. I'm actually a big Home Alone 2 guy, to be honest. I think Home Alone 2 uh, can sometimes get lost in the shuffle. Um, but, gosh, I mean, the first time I ever... Now I've seen it so many times, but the first time I ever saw Elf, I mean, it, it, it was just everything I wanted a Christmas movie to be. I, I, I laughed my ass off. Will Ferrell was phenomenal. But, I mean, I've seen it so many times um, that... Uh, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's lost its luster, but it doesn't, it doesn't to me, um, really withstand the, the test of time, like the home alones or the Christmas vacations do. So, uh, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll be a nerd and, or just, you know, the, the normal answer, which is Christmas vacation. Um, as far as favorite 
song. Big song or big fan of uh, the Jackson Five. I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. Ooh, I like. Yeah, so uh, I don't know, and <laughs> this is like such like. I mean, I do like the Mariah Carey "All I Want for Christmas." I'm not gonna lie. I hear it a million times. It's still a jam. I'll 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 jam out to it every every time I hear it. I think my favorite. Uh, every time I hear that song or hear it reference, I think about. Remember in college. Um, Oh, at Dayton, well, you only made it one year. I made it two at, Day- at Dayton. But like, we weren't allowed. If you got caught downloading music or downloading anything, you got <laughs> like uh, illegally from like Napster or LimeWire or whatever. You got like banned from the internet for two weeks, and they called you out, and you had to take a class. Well, my my roommate, best friend uh, Andrew Weber, we'll we'll call him out here, got caught, and it was all it was all Mariah Carey songs, <laughs> and he, he told. That he was downloading Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You, to like get ready for a Christmas party because it was kind of hot. And it, he was not. It was like Always Be My Baby and like uh, Fantasy and all this shit. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, straight God. up line, uh, which is hilarious. Uh, Follow up question to the last one from a, a different uh, listener. La Bradford says, Which one was more terrifying as a child, the neighbor with a shovel in Home Alone 1 or the pigeon lady in Home Alone 2? Oh, that's a good question. For me, it was we used to call him Old Man River. Um, it, it was the shovel guy. My brother had like a huge fear of, of birds and owls and stuff growing up, and he like despised the pigeon lady. Um, but I would say Old Man River from one. He, he was a little more intimidating, a little more scary. Uh, I mean, it was old guy with a shovel, without question, was was way more scary. They, I feel like they kind of. I don't know, toned it down a little bit for Home Alone 2. Maybe they got some negative feedback. I mean, when you look at it, when you watch Home Alone after knowing that the old guy is actually like a, a good, nice guy, he could have gone, he could have done a lot more to let Kevin know that he's not a threat. Like the <laughs> creepy stare directly into his eyes through the window, the grabbing his hand at the store, like like grabbing his arm unnecessarily. Yeah. I, and I made a mistake. I called him Old Man River, but Buzz calls him Old Man Marley. So, um, yeah, that was that was my fault. Uh, Jamar says, what will prevent J.J. Trainer from scoring 40 on Saturday? Nothing. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he's going to go down as the greatest player in Louisville history. But, no, I mean, I'd say so far, um, like, we didn't know much about Dre Davis, obviously, and he's been a huge surprise. Um, you know, Jalen Withers has played really well. To me, trainer's contributions have probably been the biggest added bonus just because, I mean, Dre Davis, I was like, hey, maybe he'll play, maybe he won't. I, I don't know too much about him. But uh, with J.J. Trainer, we kind of knew him from Bardstown, and we knew just what kind of, like, frame that he had. And it just did not feel like he was going to see the court at all this year from – from what we thought, and we're already getting major contributions out to him. So that's, I mean, that's only a plus, and he's just going to get better and better. Yeah, no question. Um, we, another question from uh, LSF2000. What matchups are you most looking forward to in the UofL Wisconsin game? I think it's interesting because like, I, I think that we have a very obvious advantage with our backcourt. Like, I, I think Carly and David Johnson are much better than Trice and Davison. But I think they have a pretty clear advantage down low. I, I know Withers and Davis have been so good, and, and like you said, kind of such a, a revelation. Even if you want to throw a Trainer in there, but Nate Reavers is awesome. Micah Potter is awesome. They've got two six eleven dudes that can score in a variety of ways. I mean, they're, they're classic Wisconsin big men, where they can they've got really sound post moves, but they can also shoot the three a little bit. Like that's a tough, it's a tough assignment for anybody, but it's especially tough when you're talking about like a six eight and a six seven dude who haven't played before. I mean, a redshirt freshman and a true freshman who haven't had a guard. I think having the experience of playing against Charles Bassey, though, a couple weeks ago is really going to help them uh, on Saturday. I agree. And to be honest, from what I've seen from Wisconsin, their bigs honestly aren't that physical. I I think we really have an advantage on the offensive glass. I I think we'll be able to, um, you know, get in, in position on the offensive end for some offensive rebounds. But they're bigs almost, it seems to me, they, they'd almost prefer to float around the three-point line. Um, but like you said, they can definitely not, uh, they, they can knock down that shot. For me, the one thing that scares me about this game, um, they're, they like to post up, Wisconsin does, they like to post up their guards a lot. We do not have a lot of depth in the backcourt, even though I think we have a huge advantage. 
it would be very scary to me to see, and he's had a propensity for it so far this year, but um, to see David Johnson get in foul trouble early, um, just because I don't know what Josh Nickelberry's status is, and we just don't have a lot of depth um, in the backcourt right now. Yeah, I watched I watched most of the Marquette-Wisconsin game a few weeks ago that they lost the buzzer, and then I watched a, a decent amount of the Wisconsin-Rhode Island game uh, which was played the night that we were supposed to play them last Wednesday. And I mean, Rhode Island just got fucked by the, the whistle. Like every time that they touched one of Wisconsin's guards, they got called for a foul. Um, Wisconsin got called for nothing around the rim. And if that happens again on Saturday, it, that, that could be tough because like you said, no depth. Johnson, I think, is still learning how to defend physically without fouling. That's going to be a, a tough assignment for him. And the, the thing that they're – I'll say this about Reavers – He's a really, really good shot blocker. Like, I, I agree with you. He's not the most physically, he's not the most physical big man that we're going to face this year. Neither is Micah Potter. But Reavers does a really good job at blocking shots without fouling. And I mean, he's going to have three inches on whoever he's guarding for Louisville. So you saw that. Remember the play with Jalen Withers where he kind of sized up Charles Bassey and was like, "All right, I got this." Like went into his body. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, 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 kidding me? And just like tossed him like a kid. Hopefully, Jalen Weathers has learned from that experience and won't try to do the same thing against uh, Nate Reavers on Saturday because he's a really, really good shot blocker. He's only a junior, and he's already their all-time leading shot blocker, which is pretty impressive when you look at all the uh, the pretty good big men that Wisconsin has had over the years. Um, let's see here. She says, which QB family would win in a fight with the Brom, uh, the Brahms or the Tuiasa Sopos from Washington? Um I don't trust Brian in a fight. Like I, I don't. I don't. I, I trust Jeff. I, I think Jeff would get into it. Brian's big, but I don't. Uh, yeah, I, we've seen the XFL clip from from Jeff right. where uh, you know he's just a total badass. And I, to be honest, I, I don't even remember what the two Yasi. I can't even say that. Two, <laughs> two Yasi. I, I'm not even gonna try. I remember who was it? Marcus and somebody else. I can't think of the brother's name. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I don't even remember what they look like, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'll uh, I'll defer to you on that one. I'll say Greg Brom though would run in there with a chair and just fuck everything up. So I'll, I'll go with the Brahms because Greg's the wild card. Um, let's see here. Brian says, which one do you finish first in the holiday popcorn tin, butter, cheese, or caramel? Um, obvious answer to me here, but I'll let you say first. Uh, I'm a big cheese guy. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, you're probably gonna say caramel. I'm yes. Um, is, is it caramel or caramel? Like it's, I, uh, it's whatever you want it to be. Okay. It's, um, there's actually a dynamite popcorn place up here that has like a bazillion flavors. They have like jalapeno flavored popcorn um, that we kind of hand out as as gifts for like you know mailman and all that stuff. Way to go all out, Sonarts. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, did I should I mention this? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't get it, you're listening to the pod. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, your mailman has secretly been like a pod fan for years, and he's like, God damn it, the jalapeno popcorn again. Yeah. Uh, Chris Hatfield says, is Greg Gard the least interesting college basketball coach in America? Got to be top five. I mean, the man only has a job because Bo Ryan like quit midseason yeah. because he knew they weren't going to hire him if he coached the whole year. And he has done nothing but be super, super average. I mean, but also kind of fitting for Wisconsin, is he not? Yeah, he is. I mean, Bo Ryan, like, obviously his teams were good. I, he had some, like, off-the-court stuff, I feel like, that kind of leaked in towards the end of his career as well. Yeah. But, um, I mean, at least Greg Gard, I mean, his teams, they're, they're definitely not fast. But they're at least faster than Bo Ryan's were. I mean, watching Bo Ryan Wisconsin teams at times was just absolutely painful. Uh, I enjoyed watching the 2014-15 team, though. I'll say that, that is true. I, well, Wisconsin will always be held in a somewhat high regard uh, since they saved our lives. Uh, Kaylin says, what is stopping an Iona at Bellarmine game from happening? I can tell you exactly what's stopping it from happening. Uh, it's Rick Pitino because Bellerman, um, I don't know if I should say this, but I, I'm going to say it anyway. Bellerman really thought that they would be, that, that Rick would be open to playing them and, and that it would, might be a cool thing to play you know, here one year and there another year. And pretty quickly, Rick was like, no, we're, <laughs> we're not doing that. So that's a, a pretty straightforward answer. Um, Hank Tubb says, who's the most famous person in your cell phone contacts? 
dumpster danimal should answer to um that's a good question i'm trying to like right now because rick patino's in my contacts but probably donovan mitchell i guess Okay, well, I mean, I guess I should have gone first. Cause, uh, <laughs> I don't even know. It's, it's like my my dad. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't want to disappoint old Hank Tubbs here, but old Dan just hangs around normal people. I guess I would say it's you. Um, I don't know my my uncle. That's the equipment manager for the Reds. That's there you go. About it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Shirag says. Would you rather be a top five, uh, a top non-Power 5 football team annually like Cincinnati or a good Power 5 football team that peaks every three to four years? No-brainer for me is the Power 5 team that peaks every three to four years. I can't imagine being Cincinnati right now, being undefeated and dropping in the college football playoff rankings for like, no fucking reason. Um, I mean, that was, that was the worst thing about being a group of five team before group of five was even a term was having to be so invested. Like I'll never forget Charlie's last year. We beat, I don't even know who it was, like Memphis or somebody, and then we all went to like the uh, the bar afterward, and I'm watching like Cincinnati versus Toledo, and I'm rooting like hell for Cincinnati because we need a quality win. We need Cincinnati to be undefeated when we play them. And to be that emotionally invested in a Saturday night Cincinnati-Toledo game on like Fox Sports, you know, buttfuck nowhere Michigan was uh, a terrible, terrible feeling. I'll take being the power conference team every time yeah uh i completely agree and like people can hate on him and and whatnot i know his exit from the university um you know was was a little bit messy but i mean tom george getting us into the acc is undoubtedly the biggest move that may ever happen in this university i mean at any time like i see what happened to cincinnati you know as far as them just dropping in the in the playoff rankings after a win i mean everything is to prop up these power five teams and to be left behind just would have been so i mean the repercussions for our university would have been you know almost irreparable i feel like so but we definitely owe him a lot of gratitude for that um i'm gonna revisit the, the phone number question uh when i worked when i worked valet at churchill downs i remember i parked Dwayne lucas's car and he had his phone number listed on the dashboard and i remember stealing and putting it on my phone so <laughs> there we go Dwayne lucas shout out to Dwayne. Uh, like as an aside too with the college football playoff ranking stuff i know that it's for people who like love love who like love college football more than anything it's part of the charm but it's the dumbest sport in the world. Like it really is just the fact that we have this setup where you can win every game you play. You can win every game you play by 30 and still not have a chance to play for the sport's highest prize is just totally ridiculous. And the the playoff rankings and I know they just do it to generate conversation before the last ones and we all fall for it, but the CFP rankings this week were I mean indefensible. They're, they're, they're atrocious, bad. literally atrocious. I mean and zero, and when they're asked these questions like how can you justify having Iowa State when they lost Louisiana here and only moving Florida down one spot when they lose to a LSU team with a losing record? Like they just they don't even give answers. Like they don't care anymore. They're, they're just so transparent about the fact that they want the, these big teams to play in the playoff every single year. It's just so obnoxious to me. I, I just I cannot. That, it's that if you combine that and the fact that it's the same three to four teams every year. I mean, it really. It, that's why for me, I mean, I just enjoy college basketball so much more. I mean, you, it's just, it, you, you know what's going to happen in college football. Yeah, I mean, the regular season means more fun, but we know what we're getting in the end every time. I mean, Alabama has turned into, they're doing in college football what Trinity High School is doing in high school football. And like, it, it's, it's just, you know exactly how the story is going to end every year. Uh, the can opener says, if UK gets busted by UNC on Saturday and lose their fifth straight, will there be anything from stopping uh, stage three and four from being completed? Well, we're already in stage three. There's no question about it. Uh, it is kind of hilarious that UK, I, I mean, at the last second, I know scheduling is bizarre in college basketball right now, but three days before their doubleheader is supposed to be played uh, in this CBS Sports Classic, the CBS Sports Classic is like, actually, we're switching teams here. Like, Ohio State's going to play UCLA. And UK is going to play North Carolina, which I, 
I know UCLA had some preseason high, but I think North Carolina is a, a tougher opponent from them. I mean, here's the thing about Kentucky that I'll say about watching them. And I know that we're going to get more into the rivalry stuff next week. And I, I like everybody knows what's coming. Everybody knows what the setup is. And now you got even you even have like UK. Like I saw Matt Jones tweet last night. Like how hilarious would it be if we go one and five and we still beat Louisville on the 26th? Like that's clearly going to be the narrative. But the thing about Kentucky and I can say this, and I know that they have some hope after what they did in the second half against Notre Dame. Kentucky's bad. Like, like, there, there's no way around it. They are a, a bad team. I mean, I watched Notre Dame-Duke almost every second last night. Notre Dame's not good. Like, like th- They lost handily to a Duke team that has been bad this year and was playing without its best player last night. Um, and it really wasn't ever a game. Like Duke was in full control the entire time. Kentucky's best player right now, Olivier Saar, was the second best player on an awful Wake Forest team last year. I, I would say Brandon Childress was their best player last year. Um, maybe their second best player, Davion Mintz, was like the fourth best player on a, a good, not great Creighton team last year. Right? Kentucky, they, there is no reason to believe right now that Kentucky should beat us on the 26th. And I, and I know everything is going on. I know all the stages. I know that I fall into it every single year. But my God, if there's ever a year where logic should play out and – the better team should win this game. It's this year. I, I mean, I, I agree. I, I, I'm careful to write them off, even though everything I'm watching and everything I'm, you know, feeling says this isn't a good team because they really have not showed me anything so far. Um, but unfortunately, that there is a, a, a past history um, that – you know, we've seen them start slow, not this slow and not be this bad, but, and then, you know, eventually figure it out. So I'm not, I'm not going to bury them yet, but uh, I mean, like you said, if there's ever a year and especially a time to get them um, and we'll see how they play against North Carolina on Saturday, obviously they had a big second half against Notre Dame. So, you know, coach Cal claimed he figured out whatever the problem was, but um, we'll see how they fare against North Carolina on Saturday, but going going into a game against a one in five Kentucky team, I mean, my anxiety level is already going to be through the roof. I can't even imagine what it's going to be when they're one in five. Oh my God, it's going to be it's going to be almost painful to watch. How am I supposed to open presents on Christmas? <laughs> it's going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. Oh, oh I, I, yeah, I don't even I I don't even want to think about it right now. Um, I, I, it does kind of feel like every year that UK does this, when they have that get right moment right before they play us, it's always against North Carolina, whether they win or not. So the fact that this game got switched in the last second to play North Carolina uh, is, is kind of terrifying. But there's no way to be there's no way to be less anxious about this game because we've lost it so many times. Like whether they're one and five or two and four and playing better or whatever, it's going to be terrifying regardless. If they do beat us at one and five, though. I mean, at least we'll have the the thing to say where it's like, congrats, like you still suck, you're terrible, but you beat us because you're our super. I, I, I'm already trying to spin. I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, they're, they're, just win the game. Like, you should win the game this year. Please, God, win this game in eight days or nine days, whenever it is. Um, Cole says, what player initially got you hooked on cards for football and basketball? Mine was T. Will and Doug Beaumont. My God, you just made me feel so old reading that. Uh, <laughs> player and this is kind of before like, like i don't really have any conscious memories of watching him play but i do remember i loved Bradford smith in like when i was like four years old five years old i would always dress up in like uh, my uofl jersey and pretend to be him when i was playing on the fisher price goal and then for football like i do remember being i, I was a huge aaron bailey guy the wide receiver oh yeah almost he, caught the hail mary for the colts in the afc championship great memory dan um but he i he would wear like the cutoff undershirt and i would do that for like flag football he was my first like you have a football love what about you dan um basketball so you were a little earlier than me i i was born in chicago um and then i've moved to louisville in 91 and the first guy i remember watching that was really good for the cards was Dwayne morton um so i i was a big Dwayne morton guy and then we came right after that and that's when i really fell in love i mean dewan was phenomenal and then football i would say the first guy i i remember watching live in person that i really like was ralph dawkins um but yeah we had some some pretty lean years there when i first moved to louisville i know 
uh, I mean, I know what year was the Fiesta Bowl? I can't even remember that. Was that 90? 91. So I think I had moved just after that. Um, and then we had, we had some rough years up until John L got there. Yeah. Um, Brent says favorite bourbon. You actually, you, you, <laughs> big time. And, oh boy. Uh, experience on, on last weekend in Columbus. Did you not? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm trying to become bourbon guy. So if anyone out there has recommendations on like bottles to get or so I, I did the thing where I got up, um, got to, you know, our, it was a grocery store, but they have a liquor store there um, and got in line at, at 645 in the morning because that's when the, you know, the Buffalo Trace deliveries or if there's any good deliveries come in. And I was 11th in line. I did not. The first six, I think, took a a, a bottle of E.H. Um, e. Taylor, and then there was there were six bottles of that and six bottles of Eagle Rare. So I ended up getting a bottle of uh, Eagle Rare, which I was pretty excited about. But yeah, I'm trying to be a bourbon guy. Um, so if anyone has recommendations on on, I, I mean, I don't want to be the guy like give me some pappy because I know that's like impossible. But uh, you know, any any recommendations on bourbons that you like or, or where to find some uh, bourbons that are hard to get? I'm all ears. At Danzone85 on Twitter, hit him up there. Uh, I'm not a bourbon guy at all. Like you're speaking a different language. Like I had a bad experience New Year's Eve 2004. Uh, drank way way too much. Got sick for like a week. And ever since then, have not been able to drink drink bourbon very well. So that's uh, it's on me. Kids, learn your lesson. Don't ruin alcohol for the rest of your life to have one good New Year's Eve. It's not going to go well for you. Um, South End Hero says, Surge or Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew. Big Mountain Dew guy. It's my favorite soft drink. Haven't had one in a few years. But in college, I think I lived off Mountain Dew. Yeah, I. You know what? I never. I'm not. I don't. I'm not a soft drink guy. I don't drink soft drinks anymore. Um, but back in the day, I would definitely pick Mountain Dew. I, the only place I ever saw Surge was, uh, you know, at Mr. Gaddy's Fountain Gaddy, Drinks. Yeah, Gaddy yeah. Land, big on Surge. It was like it's like Big Red at uh, White Castle. You, Pretty you much, of, yeah. You felt obligated to drink it. Um, all right, we'll wrap up with this one. Howie Lindsay says, "If you knew there would be a news crew covering you getting the vaccine, would you shave your shoulder?" Um, yeah, it was that guy in Louisville had the picture everywhere where his, uh, his poor hairy shoulders were exposed with the, uh, the bandaid. My wife, actually, when she was doing uh, one of her past jobs, actually called on that guy uh, when he was, I think, a resident. So she knew him, and I was like, tell him to shave his shoulders next time. But uh, the answer is, to that question is yes. I, I, would, I would probably shave my shoulder if it, was, if it looked like that. So this is a good question. I'm, I'm glad Howie sent this in. Um, <laughs> so, and you know this. I, 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 don't, I don't have, like, hairy shoulders or anything but like from my elbow down my arms i'm i've been self-conscious my whole life about like how hairy my legs and my my arms are and so this is i guess this is my day in the dubs um when i when i played basketball uh in high school i was so self-conscious about how hairy my arms were that i had lathered them all up with shaving cream and i was just getting ready to pull the trigger and start shaving i was like hey i'm just gonna go full clean shaven here. So I started from like my wrist basically or like the top of my hand and I started shaving and I immediately just panicked. It was like, <laughs> I can't do this. I, I can't, I can't do this. Like there's no way I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to shave my entire arms. Well, so I finally told everyone that like, Hey, you know, I ended up not doing it, but then like the hair on my hands and wrists grew in like tenfold <laughs> and I look like a gorilla and like you and everyone else, like, oh my god, this kid has the hairiest hands alive. Um, so yeah, I mean, since I still have, I probably need, to, I probably need to trim it up at some point. Um, but yeah, that's that's my my day in the dumps. Don't don't shave your your body, kids. I promise. Just just leave it as is. I mean, first of all, the fact that you had to like announce it to us that you didn't go through with it, like as if we're all on pins and needles. I know. It was way more in my head than than you know. I think I really thought people cared about. I was like, oh my god, everyone looks at these arms. I got to make sure they're clean shaven. I never would have noticed the thickness of your arm hair. I think if you hadn't pointed it out to me at a very young age, I I think you were like fourteen when you're like, oh yeah. uh, to be Dan. Um, all right, that's enough questions for today. We're going to have more actual basketball to talk about next week. That's going to be fun. 
we do have a, a new review. Again, if you haven't subscribed to the pod, wherever you listen to podcasts, please do so. I know some people will say, you know, where can I write the reviews on Spotify? I know Spotify doesn't do the reviews, but if you use Apple Podcasts, it's pretty easy. You just hit the rating button and then hit write a review right underneath it, and it really helps us out. Uh, one new review. It's back to the five-star reviews. It's Micah. It's great show. Good info. The only downside is that I only get to hear Dan once a week. So the Dan love continues in the reviews. You're still getting propped up. I think you're getting too big of a head at this point. I am. No, I, I appreciate um, I appreciate that. That's very nice. And, yeah, I mean, I reading the reviews is awesome. So if you can leave one, I mean, that definitely helps us out as well. And we read them on the show, so you get to hear yourself. Um, and, again, if you say stupid stuff, even better. We'll read that, too. So uh, big thanks to everybody for listening. Hopefully you enjoy uh, basketball being back this week, and hopefully next week we're talking about a Cards win over Wisconsin. Uh, again, Keith and I are going to do the pod tonight. We'll release that on Friday. We'll talk all about the National Signing Day and get Keith's thoughts on the end of the 2020 Louisville football season. But until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. <laughs>